talk about a performer. Of course, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, am I, old man? You can't stay here, old man. Not in the mood. Why don't you play as a tune, pal? I don't like music. Comical little geezer. You look funny when you're 50. You'll have to go. You wouldn't like it here. Not like it. That charming little basement suite. I paid for it. I love it. No. You wouldn't fit in here. I would. I'm determined to fit in. I've got to fit in, Mr. Turner. Oh, I see. It's that bad, eh? I wonder, Mr. Dean, if you were me, what would you do? I don't know. <laughs> it depends. It depends who you are. Which I don't know. Who I am. You know who you are. Yes. Well, that simplifies matters. You can stay on a daily basis, yesterday till tomorrow, all right? It. He dishes it out too, but your sweet fucking life he does. He's a mean. Warner Brothers presents performance with Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger. James Fox. And James Fox. This is a film about madness. No soap on the gentleman's collar. Madness and sanity. A film about fantasy. How much did you give him? Nothing wrong with me. I'm normal. <laughs> right, again.
This is a film about vice. And versa. Performance. The performance that makes the way and makes it all. Am I right? Am I right? Oh, yes. That is my Mick Jagger impression. Um, welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I hadn't watched performance in a long, long time. And what's wonderful is late at night, Turner Classic Movies plays all kinds of shit. I think I'm trying to remember the first time I watched performance. It had to be when I was in college. It is an experimental film starring none other than Mick Jagger. Now, performance has an interesting history because let's let's dive into this. The film was produced in 1968, but was not released until 1970 as Warner Brothers was reluctant, reluctant to distribute the film owing to its sexual content, graphic violence it initially received a mixed critical response, but since then its reputation has grown in stature. It is now regarded as one of the most influential and innovative films of the 1970s. See how much a decade changes. It is directed by Donald Kamel and the late Nicholas Rogue, written by Kamel and photographed by Rogue. The film stars James Fox as a violent and ambitious London gangster who, after killing an old friend, goes into hiding at the home of a reclusive rock star, Turner, played by Mick, ja- Mick Jagger. Now, there was a lot going on in this film. Anita Pallenberg, who at the time was involved with Keith Richards, they had children together. And um, Keith, Keith mentions that in his book, Life. Let's see. <sighs> Several aspects of performance were novel, and it's foreshadowing MTV-type music videos, particularly the sequence with Memo from Turner, which Jagger sings in many popular videos in the 1990s. That's true, because it, it, it was a music video at that moment. The gangster aspect of performance has been imp- imitated by many popular directors such as Quentin Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, and Jonathan Glazer. Performance pushed boundaries by featuring explicit sex scenes and drugs, which have been rumored to be real instead of simulated. Although fi- the films by Andy Warhol and other underground filmmakers had featured such behavior before performance, it was unprecedented that they appeared in a studio production. The song EMC Squared by Big Audio Dynamite contains extensive dialogue samples from performance. All right. Beat the Devil, the BMW promo directed by Tony Scott and starring James Brown, Gary Oldman, and Clive Owen contains at least two references to performance. At one point, Owen's character says, I know a thing or two about performing. A quote from Turner. While the Devil, played by Gary Oldman, dances with a fluorescent tube fluorescent, uh, fluorescent tubes just as Turner does in performance. In the earlier Tony Scott film, True Romance, Gary Oldman as Drexel is seen swinging a lampshade back and forth in front of someone as Turner does during the sequence involving Memo from Turner. Yes. I wanted to dive into this because it has a very uh, 
In his 15-hour documentary, The Story of Film, an odyssey by Mark Cousins, says performance was not only the greatest 70s film about identity, if any film in the whole story of film could should be compulsive, compulsory, compulsory viewing for filmmakers, maybe this it is. Yep. You know, after that, Mick Jagger said he got a lot of, uh, you know, offers to play drug addicts and, and, you know, crazy people. And let's see, I'm looking for, ah, all right. It was intended that the Rolling Stones would write the soundtrack, but due to the complicated nature of the various relationships on and off screen, this never happened. It was rumored that Anita Pallenberg, then in a relationship with Keith Richards, and Mick Jagger played out sexual scenes in the film for real. When Richards heard the rumors, he apparently took to sitting in his car outside the house where the film was being shot. Needless to say, this did not do much for the Jagger-Richards musical chemistry, and the soundtrack came together from a number of other sources. And Keith mentions that in his book Life. Oh my goodness. James Fox as Chaz, Mick J uh, Jagger as Turner, and Eden Pallenberg as Ferber, Michelle Brenton as Lucy. I mean, this is this is a crazy, crazy, crazy film. And then there's, of course, a memo from Turner that we can't play because Mick Jagger has sued people before and I don't want to be one of those people. There's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of stop motion moments in performance. I guess I guess the sex is real. Yeah. But Jagger has it. You know, Jagger's always got that enigmatic I'm the performer. Jago, why not? Why, why not? No, why not? A jongleur. It's a third of his profession. You're a performer of natural magic. Well, I, I perform. I bet you do. I, I can tell by your vibrations. Music. 
comical little geezer. You look funny when you're 50. Now, as he says that, it's kind of funny because he looks the same and he's almost 80 years old, Mick Jagger. When Mick Jagger goes into a film, it's really a performance. He's not, you know, a quintessential actor. He was in Ned Kelly. Um, let's let's look at Jagger's uh, resume. Uh, as I look for it, you know, Nicholas Rogue went on to do The Witches, which is such a great film. And um, other films. But with, you know, with Jagger, I'm trying to think, how many movies has Jagger done? Ah, Ned Kelly, Performance. All You Need Is Cash, Running Out of Luck, Free Jack, Bent, Enigma, The Man from Elysian Fields, The Bank Job, The Burnt Orange Hearsay. Okay. I didn't know that. But he's also produced, you know. But performance, <laughs> when, you're, when you're up late at night, that, that's really the time to watch it. You could watch it on edibles. You could watch it sober. Either way, it is a trippy film. So I could see where people find inspiration from performance. And there is some mystifying moments in the film. There's a lot of doppelgangerism in performance. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion in the film. And um, but that pivotal moment of memo from Turner, that really is one of the most that's one of the early music videos, because, you know, at that time in the 60s, like the Beatles did Strawberry Fields Forever, but they're not lip syncing to it. OK, if you went on Dick Clark's American Bandstand, you lip synced. If you went on top of the pops, you lip synced. But a memo from Turner Really, that's the beginning of a music video because it's not on a live TV show. It's in a movie. And what's Mick Jagger doing? He's lip syncing. And it's becoming part of the story, part of the nonsense and part of the mysticism of performance. And, you know, say what you will about Mick. Yes. Yes, Mick. Mick is probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, narcissists. He is. He's got frontman syndrome, according to Keith Richards. And I don't know if Mick has ever put out a tell-all, but I've I've read Keith Richards' book, and I can tell you from Keith Richards' cojones, Keith Richards really is the true leader of the Rolling Stones. Keith Richards doesn't play, but then you think of the myth and the mythology that you know. Did he really have his blood? transfused out and put more blood in you know robin williams does a really great take on that um but at the end of the day mick jagger mick jagger really did help to create that archetype lead singer frontman whether you love him or not i i remember watching an interview that sofia coppola did with the late um lee raswell lee you know jackie kennedy's sister and her first meeting with Mick Jagger. And she's like, well, I could see where people find him kind of repulsive. Yeah. But he's the, you know, he's the front man and he's, he's very in control. 
But in performance, there is no control. Is that? They never get fed up with it, do they? I'm a goer myself. It's been on the road a million years. A million years people have been coming in and dragging in to watch it. I like a bit of a cavort. I don't send them solicitor's letters. I apply a bit of pressure. He won't listen to me. I know how you do it. I know a thing or two about performing, my boy. I didn't tell you. He had the gift too once upon a time. Should have seen him ten years ago. I'll tell you this. The only performance that makes it, that really makes it, that makes it all the way, is the one that achieves madness. Right? Am I right? You with me? I'm with you. He wants to know. Why well, your show is a bigger turn on than his ever was. How should I know? Well, I know a thing or two about the clientele. They're a bunch of liars and wrigglers. Put the frighteners on them. Give them a bit of stick. That's the way to make them jump. They love it. Who is on the phone line? Time for your new image. No, we're getting somewhere. America's a blinding place. Must you really go tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow he learns what's true and what's not. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Hey? The last words of the old man on the mountain. His mother is a thousand years old. Imagine yourself being a thousand years younger. The old man was called in the language of Persia, Hassani Saba, and his people were called the Hashishin. He had caused a valley between two mountains to be enclosed and turned into a garden. So large and beautiful, his people believed it was paradise. And there was a fortress at the entrance. So what makes performances as Mick Jagger's character Turner just said, the performance, the performance that makes it all, is the one that achieves madness. Am I right? And now what happened was, because of the Cockney, I'm talking about accents, not cocks, the Cockney accents, it was dubbed. Now, what I, you know, I'm, I, in this instance, I have to apologize for my country because... A lot of Americans have problems with accents. That's why this country in, in the long run is a really fucked up country. It's because if you have an accent, you are judged immediately. You are judged and not in a good way. And I love films where they don't dub them. Like Darby O'Gill and the Little People, It's it takes place in Ireland. And some people can't understand the accents and so they dub it clean your ears i remember i've had professors who had thick accents my professor in boss was from the czech republic and had a thick czechoslovakian accent and i could understand him completely also because i know how to listen 
And so when it comes to films, that's why I'm always telling my audience, watch European films. Learn something. Because the country, this country, the United States, is not very old. This country still acts like a teenager. This country has its head up its ass many, many times. All right? And you know what I'm talking about. And artistically, it shouldn't be that way. And so the fact that they dubbed performance, like if I think if you buy the DVD or if you try to do the digital, it's dubbed. But what's wrong with the actual film itself? Performance is one hell of a trip. And being it that it's a work week, I wouldn't necessarily do edibles. Usually I do on the weekend. I would have watched it on edibles. I don't have to tell you what those do. Because it is a trip. But I didn't feel that I needed to do that because I've seen performance before. It's murder. It's sex. It's intrigue. The, I mean, the first time I watched performance, yeah, you know, you watch it because of Mick Jagger. But then after, you know, listening to Keith Richards' book Life about his former lover, Anita Pallenberg, then you, then you watch it really for Anita. And then you see what Keith, you know, that's why him, her and Keith had children together. I think they had three children and one of them died of SIDS. And so there's, there's this weird kind of backstory itself to performance. And then the fact that it was made in 1968 and it wasn't released until 1970, right around the time that Ned Kelly was coming out with Mick Jagger. So performance, performance is really, you have to watch it at your own risk. I mean, you could watch it after a glass of wine or you could watch it on edibles, whichever you prefer. But it's trippy. It's madness. It really is madness. And if if you've ever seen performance, you know what I'm talking about. We love to watch rock stars try to act. Bowie has done it. Jagger has done it. Keith Richards was in... Uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he played uh, Johnny Depp's father in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean. So when a rock star is game to be in a film, that's the way to do it. Now, from one rock star to another, I wanted to end tonight with one of Jagger's contemporaries. Mr. David Bowie. David Bowie does a spot-on imitation of Mick Jagger. And it is hilarious. And I figure since I've just put you through the ringer of performance and of Mick trying to act, because, you know, rock, rock stars are ambitious. They're ambitious. I'll put myself in the canon because I sing a little rock and roll. We're ambitious. And, and the crazy ones want that Oscar. They grip it. They want it. They want it. Usually they win for it. The music, such as Lady Gaga. La Lady Gaga is such a great actress. I absolutely love her. Um, 
But someone like Keith, you know, Mick Jagger, come on. No. Maybe for the music, because that that really is when you put Mick Jagger in a film, it's because he's Mick Jagger. It's like, okay, let's write this crazy story. Let's put him in it. And he talked about that one time in an interview. He says, oh, you know, after performance, I got roles playing heroin addicts and psychos and SOBs. Yeah. But I wanted to end it tonight with Jagger's contemporary and one. And I, I guess they were close. Um, David Bowie, because they did do a song together. They did uh, Dancing in the Streets in the 1980s as a duet. But here is David Bowie doing a spot on Mick Jagger imitation that you have to believe. I think Bo Diddley was on the, on the show and all that. And it was priceless. I've never seen anything so rebellious in my life. Some guy yells out, get your hair cut. And Mick says, and I'll never forget these words, Well, I look like you. <laughs> I thought, I thought, oh my God, this is the future of music. <laughs> and sure enough. And he was right. That was the total future of music. The long hair. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley was getting all the love. And the Rolling Stones had a couple of people there. And the guy, get your hair cut. Well, I look like you. See, I can't do it like Bowie can do it. So that that really is. Um, but I wanted to go back over to performance. I as I as I look at Mick, I think of my good friend and, and former professor, um, who's probably listening. And I had her once a um, long time ago. Her name is Suzanne. And um, we were talking about the Stones. And she says, I saw the Stones when you, you were probably a little baby in the 80s. And Mick even looked old then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. He's got those lips, you know. Uh, you know. I, in fact, earlier when I was coming home, Start Me Up came on and I thought, Okay, Mick. But in these crazy times, their music does matter. I find myself listening to Street Fighting Man a lot. You know, in the 60s, that was the thing. I wasn't there. This is only what I've read. The Beatles did Revolution. And the Stones did Street Fighting Man. Okay. So the polar opposites. Because, you know, Keith always said that. He says, well... The Beatles, you know, what's left? The Beatles got the white hat. What's left? The black hat. Because, see, you know, they wanted to be the anti-heroes of rock. And they and they became that. But it, I will say, to quote Lemmy Kilmeister of the band Motorhead, Lemmy saw the Beatles at the cavern. This is before they even had a record deal. And he said, you know, he, he dispelled that myth. He said, you know, people always said that the Beatles were the sissies and the Stones were the bad boys. But he said it was the other way around because the Beatles were from Liverpool. Liverpool is a tough neighborhood. The Stones were from the London suburbs. They were from the London suburbs. What does that tell you? 
is that are they sheep and sheeps and wolves or wolves and sheep's clothing trying to be the bad boys? Is that really how society tried to make them out? You know, yeah, because they weren't singing eight days a week. They were singing about sympathy for the devil and paint it black. I can't get no satisfaction. So, you know, you have the the Stones and the Beatles duking it out. And then you have my personal favorite, the Doors. The Doors are like, fuck this. The Doors are like, we don't want to be a part of that. We don't. So, yeah, you had the the Beatles and the Stones duking out in the 60s. Um, Performance was directed by. Here we go. Donald Camel. Donald Camel. And Nicholas Rogue, written by Donald Camel, produced by Sanford Lieber. I want to say his name right. I do come from an education background, so you have to say it right. Sanford Lieberson. Sanford Lieberson, starring James Fox, Mick Jagger, Anita Pallenberg, Michelle Michelle Brenton. Is that how you would say it? Michelle Brenton. Cinematography by Nicholas Rogue, edited by Ant- Anthony Gibbs, Brian Smedley Aston, uncredited Frank Mazzola, music by Jack Nietzsche. Ah. Jack Nietzsche was a legendary musician. He was a right hand man to Phil Spector. He worked with Rolling Stones. And he was in Crazy Horse with Neil Young. All right. He did uh, scores for performance, The Exorcist, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. In 1983, he won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for co-writing Up Where We Belong. A lot of people talk about Jack Nietzsche. The last thing that Jack Nietzsche did, actually, was the music. He was a prolific film, film score musician. He did the music for a film... Okay, he did The Crossing Guard. I didn't know that. But Blue Sky, directed by Tony Richardson. And I'll probably be talking about that next time. Blue Sky, just like Performance, was not released. The only difference was Blue Sky Blue Sky was made in 1991. And it was not released until 1994. You know why? Because Tony Richardson died of AIDS. Orion Pictures had folded... There was no way to distribute the film, and so it sat on a bank vault for years. And then in 1994, it was released. It ultimately won Jessica Lange an Oscar. And as I as I'm picturing it right now, I can I can hear that score of Blue Sky done done by Jack Nietzsche. So, performance. Whoa, what what a what a ride! Okay. Released August 3rd, 1970, but made in 1968. In the heyday of the Rolling Stones, the craziness. This was, That, of course, was a year before the concert of Altamont, which is legendary. It's brutal. It's bloody. That really, according to some, is the end of the 60s. That and the Manson killings are the end of the 60s. Like I said... I'm only delivering what I read because I wasn't there. I wasn't born until a decade later in 1980. But 
But I'm sure if I was a flower child, it would have been a different experience. If I was a flower child, I'd probably almost be almost 60 by now. So I'm kind of thankful I wasn't a flower child. So it would have changed the whole trajectory of everything. And so when I want to ask people about the 60s, I talk to different people. But when it came to the music, when it came to the films, you have to understand that that was a very potent time. There was war. There was riots. There was race riots. Everything was going up in smoke. Everything. All right. So those those are my two different stories of the 60s because I wasn't there. I wasn't even a thought in the 60s. All right. So when it comes to the films, when it comes to the experiment, I love I love filmmakers that experiment because at the end of the day, if you want safe, go watch a fucking Hallmark movie. It's Christmas in July. If you want to be safe, great. I don't want to be safe. I want my art to scream at me. I want it to hit me in the face. I want it to get get messy. All right. And that's really what it's all about. Experimental films. And as a budding filmmaker myself, if I'm if I ever get the chance to make a film, it will be experimental. It probably won't be watchable. Because the whole process of making it is like having sex. It really is. And it's messy and it's sweaty and it's awkward. And well, for, for me, it never was awkward. It was just, it's messy. It's messy. <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that on a film podcast, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Just like good music, it's messy. Everyone is involved. There are too many cooks in the kitchen. It's messy. So I always tell people, if if they're able to stomach it, that a good film is like having sex. A good album is like having sex. Because it's not, it's not something to talk about. It's something to experience. That old saying, don't kiss and tell. It's something to experience. It's not something to novel, put in a novel, a tell-all, and tell everybody, this is how it went down. Because in your mind, as last night we talked about Eve's Bayou, memories are a selective of selection of images up, upon the brain. That's the same when it comes to good sex. It is from memory. Maybe there are things that I don't remember. Maybe there are things, oh, okay. But it was a performance in itself. <laughs> See how I brought that? It, it truly is a performance. And that's what rock and roll really is. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And as always, unpleasant dreams. And next year, oh, we're going we're gonna to have fun because Mick Jagger and company are going to turn 80. Mick is going to turn 80. Keith is going to turn 80. The late Charlie Watts, who was the heartbeat of the Rolling Stones, died last year at the age of 80. So these rock stars are getting up there. They're getting up there. Neil Young is, uh, geez, how old is Neil Young? 
I think Neil is in his 70s. Um, trying to think who else. Rod Stewart is in his 70s. Elton John is in his 70s. Tina Turner is in her 80s. So there you have it. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, a performance. Because in the long run, it is about the performance. Or as Mick Jagger, and I'll do it again, because in, in some strange little world, if Mick Jagger is listening, he'd probably come after me for imitating him, but I don't care. The performance, the performance that makes it all is the one that achieves madness. Am I right? Am I right? So I can't really do the cockney like they can. So, as always, unpleasant dreams. Mick, you're crazy. <laughs>